0: Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy in the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we talk about when we talk about faith. After five years as senior pastor of Round Hill Community Church, Ed Horstman will be going on sabbatical this summer. We'll find out what he plans to do and not to do during this time of rest, reflection, and renewal. Welcome to Roundtable Radio. I'm Leslie. I'm Ed. Hey, Ed.
1: How are you doing, Leslie?
0: I'm good. So you're you're going to be on sabbatical this I summer. I have the dates am. here. I conveniently Ed gave me a printout <laughs> from April 29th until August 29th. Um, what is what is a sabbatical?
1: Great question. What <laughs> right. is this thing, right?
0: What is this thing?
1: Well, in the um, first of all, in the Hebrew Bible, there's reference to Sabbath. It actually starts off very early in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. There's this recounting of this amazing creation story, creative process by God. And after six days of really intense labor, God takes one day to rest. Apparently not because God needs the rest, but just rest is good in and of itself. Mm -hmm. It's part of the wholeness of of life. And then that keeping of the Sabbath becomes one of the distinguishing characteristics of the Jewish people. Of all the things that that are supposed to define them as a people, keeping that Sabbath is very, very important. So that has, of course, continued throughout history, and observant Jews continue to keep the Sabbath to this day, as do people of other faiths um, in their own way. So that's the biblical tradition, and the sabbaticals over, uh, over time have in some ways, I, I think in the Protestant traditions, maybe Christian tradition, have, we've lost that. Uh, we start to, we've started to talk at some point about keeping a day off, and a day mm-hmm. off is not the same thing as a Sabbath um but sabbaticals uh that's a tradition that of course has been held, kept within the university systems because after so many years of service usually professors are given a time of, sab- of sabbatical where they go off and do a ton of research and then write a really amazing book and then come back that's i think that's the ideal right it's supposed right. to be good for them but even better for the university yeah <laughs> um for pastors when i was growing up uh in a little local church in northern new york state I don't think my pastor ever had a sabbatical. I I think it was completely lost. That's changed, thankfully. So typically now, every five years... Uh, pastors in I think I would say certainly in the Protestant tradition are given a three month sabbatical to which they can often add their vacation, mm-hmm. and that becomes a time for them to rest and reflect and renew. So it's not doesn't usually come with any expectations from the congregation. There's no expectation that anyone goes off and writes an amazing book and mm-hmm. it's good for them and good for the church. But it's really a time of deep rest, contemplation, and um, You come back, hopefully, well-rested and recharged for ministry as it will continue to unfold.
0: Wonderful. So how is this going to unfold for you, do you think?
1: Uh, So I've been thinking about this for a while, and about a year ago, I went to the board of trustees of our congregation. I presented them with a vision that I had for my sabbatical. That wasn't necessarily required, but I thought it was really good to have that conversation and to get their input. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I came up with the title of In Other Words, mm-hmm. so that as the theme for my sabbatical, because as someone who talks a lot like what I'm doing right now, I uh, thought it would be really good to think about how I could develop my faith uh, without using words so much. So it's encountering the divine through ancient languages, that's, that is still words, but also mm-hmm. through silence and through art. So those are other words. And even the ancient languages is my attempt to return to my study of biblical Greek and biblical Hebrew. Some, you know, I've tried to keep that practice up through the years mm-hmm. and, um, to encounter the Bible in its strangeness, you know, not through a familiar translation, but through an unfamiliar language. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's how it began to unfold.
0: Fascinating. How so? You mentioned ancient languages. How did that? Where did that first start for you?
1: Uh, you know, I thought about something as we were preparing for this podcast that I had not considered until today hmm. about this interest in languages. So here's something fresh, fresh off the press. Exciting. Um, my father grew up. He was a first generation immigrant. Uh, his parents were from northern Germany. They settled in Schenectady, New York. There was no English spoken in their home at all. They wanted to preserve German. And so my father actually learned English for the most part while he was in school. And, uh, but he was always bilingual Mm -hmm. and always used, um, German when he was speaking with his father. So the entire time that I was growing up, as I overheard conversations with my father, they always took place in another language. Mm -hmm. And that made me, filled me with a desire to know what are they talking about? (laughs) Like, what is going on between the two of them? And so my father taught me a little bit of German when I was younger, but then I learned more of it when I was in college. And then I had a very interesting thing happen when I was in seminary. Um, At Union Theological Seminary, they taught languages. You started to learn them through an intensive January intercession, it was called. Very intense. Uh, So in my case, studied biblical Hebrew every day for about eight or nine hours. And we did that throughout the month of January. And then you took a class the next semester to follow up. I was ill at the time that I was studying <laughs> oh, <no>. Biblical Hebrew. <laughs> and I had this strange, these strange flu-like symptoms, and they just would not go away. And they had lingered for the better part of a month or more all through Christmas. And then here I am supposedly going off to take this intensive course in Biblical Hebrew, and it made me well. Oh. <laughs> within about a, a week and a half, I felt great. And it was like this deep dive into another world. And I guess it just kind of pushed the illness out of my mind, which maybe pushed it out of my body. There you go. There
0: wasn't space for it.
1: <laughs> so you know what? I'm thinking, hey, if I do this again during the sabbatical, maybe I'll feel really great and it'll all just be because of the language. So anyway, I'm I'm really attracted to languages in general. I love um, the nuances in words that you can discover when you learn them in other languages. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that'll be fun to do.
0: Healing through Hebrew.
1: Healing through Hebrew. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, you're, we, we know you're passionate about art. Mm-hmm. How, what role is art going to take in your Shabbatical?
1: So art, uh, my relationship with art has been on again, off again for the last, uh, I'm going to say almost 35 years. And, uh, you know, the, the demands and the opportunities and the crises and the creative challenges of the parish have often, of parish ministry, have often pushed the passion for art off to the side. And I've allowed that to happen, so... That's, that's on me. But here and there, I have kept at it, which has been great, and, and ma- mainly thanks to the intervention of many gifted teachers. So I thought, how wonderful would it be on, on this sabbatical, uh, and I've had a couple in the past that have been really rich and, and rewarding, but I've never spent this amount of time on art, such as I'm planning to do this, you know, on this time around. So I'm going to take four different art workshops. Each one of those will last a week. Um, The main one's going to be in Vermont during the last part of July, early part of August. And part of it is to develop the interest that I already have in abstract art. Part of it is to push me into a growing interest in collage, which really just started during the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I want to learn how to do... um, with a lot more proficiency is how to sketch on site. So there's a huge global movement f- called the urban sketcher movement. It's a lot of fun. And you, as a great lover of pens and papers, this has got to be right.
0: I took a craftsy class on urban sketching. <laughs>
1: okay, so you, you know what it's about. <laughs> so fun. And, you know, to, to look online, uh, to see what urban sketchers do, it's so much fun. And these are people who a lot of times will gather at a certain time and a day in a city. And they'll just walk around for a couple hours and sketch. I've never done a lot of that. Most of my work has been in the studio or, you know, at the dining room table or whatever. So I want to I want to spend some time doing that. And I'm hope hopeful that Susan, my wife, and I will be able to take a trip. And a lot of what I'll be able to do on the side of that is bring my sketch pad along and and sketch on site. I'd Mm. really love to learn how to become better at that.
0: How wonderful. Yeah. How wonderful. The third thing you mentioned uh, discussing sabbatical was this idea of silence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: How is that? Why is that important? And how is that going to apply to your sabbatical?
1: Well, I think that silence is an endangered species uh, in our world. And uh, people can say, well, so why does that matter? Uh, I think it matters because in silence, you really get a chance to hear your own voice. Uh, not, we're, we're crowded out so often by a lot of other voices, and they can be wonderful. Um, you know, films and theater and conversations with friends and the daily noise of human life, all of that can be very rich. But there is a voice inside of us that's a little like a wild animal, and it, and it gets very scared easily by too much hubbub. Mm-hmm. So... My plan is to spend a part of each day, and in some cases, an entire days, uh, not speaking, but just keeping as much silence as I can. You know, staying away from urban centers, not using my phone, uh, not listening to music. And I'd say that's important to me from from the standpoint of my own personal life, because uh, until I was in the very end of fifth grade, I lived in a rural environment in upstate New York, and in the winter in particular, it could be so quiet that I I can remember the sound of the silence pressing against my eardrums, Mm. and particularly after a winter storm. And it's hard to find that kind of silence now. We can do it, but we have to be much more intentional about it. So I think in silence, you begin to register feelings, dreams, thoughts, these things start to rise to the surface, these things that are normally so easily scared away. Mm -hmm. And I want to spend some time figuring out, you know, what's what's in me that will only come to the surface in the silence. Mm.
0: Sounds dreamy.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Does sound pretty good, doesn't it? That sounds pretty good. (laughs) That sounds
0: really great. We could all uh, take a moment for that, couldn't we? (laughs) Do you have a thought of the day to share with us?
1: I do, and I actually, uh, this when I first shared my, my vision for the sabbatical with the Board of Trustees, they were really supportive and asked great questions and offered a lot of encouragement. But one of the members of the trustees uh, said to me when I was describing all these different things I wanted to do, she said, look, whatever enriches you will enrich us. Mm. So I guess my thought for the day is, what the things that enrich us are so often the things that enrich the world around us. And sometimes it can be the quirky little creative interest we have, but the, the things that give us joy and the things that build up life, right, mm-hmm. rather than tear it down. So my thought is, uh, pay let's pay close attention to the things that enrich us because they will almost necessarily enrich the world around us.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you, Ed, You're for welcome. sharing this with us. We are excited for you. We will be excited to have you back (laughs) and to be enriched by this experience that will hopefully be very, very positive and enriching for you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the members and friends of Round Hill Community Church. You can find more episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and roundhillcommunitychurch.org.